Hey there and good morning. Welcome to the WLBB Community Voice on News Talk 1330 FM 106.3. Streaming live online at Newstalk1330.com. And this morning we are on the News Talk 1330 WLBB Facebook page where you can see my handsome young guest. He is a candidate for mayor. He is the mayor. He's been the mayor of Villarica for the last four years and he wants to do it at least four more years. And we're here to talk about it. This is our uh, final interview yeah possibility that there's a runoff though we may have one of those after november but this is our final interview for the uh, candidates for mayor in villarica the three previous ones are on our website newstalk1330.com i think we have a special folder even for, for the villarica um, races and i am uh, happy to hopefully put an end to these uh, interviews with the villarica mayors today so uh good morning google well good morning colin thank you for that uh, great introduction absolutely you don't get called handsome every day do you I don't get called handsome ever, except when I come down here, so I appreciate it. I try to, I try to accommodate. All right. Start out with what you think that your constituents care about uh, regarding your previous four years and what you can be part of for the next four years. Sure. I think the uh, primary concern on people's minds is obviously the growth uh, that's going on in Villarica, but I think they're also concerned about uh, the infrastructure and the uh, availability of fresh water for the city to be able to make uh, uh, enough water to, uh, for its its own use as opposed to having to purchase the balance of that water. So that's your take on that as far as, I mean, you think that Villarica should um, quit sucking the teat if somebody else just go ahead and do their own water? Well, I think that is ideally where we all should be. We should all be thinking that that's where But that does cost we, money too, though. I mean, it's, not, it's an extraordinary amount of money because uh, – we don't have enough capacity, uh, even if there were, uh, uh, you know, facilities for that raw water. We do have three uh, reservoirs that we can draw from, but the depth is not enough to, to, to be able to have the amount of water that we need to make. Uh, and even if we had enough water to make, we, our, our, our water plant is, you know, uh, it was built in the 1960s. It's not capable of doing much more than it's already mm -hmm. doing. So you're, you're sort of in this quandary. Do you build a new water plant uh, for $20 million when you don't have enough water to treat anyway? So you, you would have to do both. You would have to do something to increase the capacity, which would be dredging or, or dams or a combination of, the uh, of those two things. Uh, and then if you did that, then now you do have to build a water plant. So you're talking millions and millions of dollars to increase capacity and then $20 million plus uh, for the water plant. So ideally, we need to be the masters of our own house. We do not need to be buying water as we're doing now from Carroll and Douglas County. We're fortunate to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. It'd be better, though, for us to be in, in control of our own destiny in terms of that water supply. Uh, so that ideally, that's where we need to be. But uh, of course, we are, are making arrangements and planning and working with the two authorities uh, to make sure that we can meet the water demand, irrespective of how we do it. Uh, and th that is the big thing that pe I mean, people are concerned about? Well, I think that it, it, if, if it's not, it should be. I yeah. think that people probably are a little more concerned in their day-to-day -day life with the traffic disruptions and the new growth. Now, I would point out that uh, there is a massive amount of GDOT money being spent in Villarica in terms of a major new roundabout at Connors Road in 78, a major roundabout at the two ends of the North Loop, which is at 61, uh, on the north side and at uh, Industrial Boulevard, uh, more south. Um, and then you have another major project with the crisscrossing of the lanes across I-20 at 61. G 
GDOT is spending an incredible amount of money in Villarica right now today, and they are a bigger part of the traffic issues um, than, than Villarica is, uh, even with the, with the construction going on. But I'm not sure everybody understands that. And, and of course, what they are doing is going to make life much better for Villarica in terms of being able to uh, move traffic. you got to keep in mind that Interstate 20 runs through Villarica, a federal highway, Highway 78, runs right through Villarica, and a state highway, 61, runs right through Villarica. These counties all connect and merge right in Villarica. So we're dealing with the traffic struggles from all around us. It's not our own creation. But guess what? We get to live with it, and we have to find ways to mitigate that. What has surprised you the most, and what have you learned, biggest lesson out of the last four years? Well, I think the biggest lesson is that uh, you do not know what you do not know. I mean, the fact of the matter is the issues that we face, uh, largely the public hears about it one-on-one -on -one because people have lives. They're out at work every day. They're paying their bills. They're putting their kids through school. But when you actually show up on the job, when you get there and you realize just what you're facing, I mean, you, I think there was a misconception even – on my part, do we grow or do we not grow? That really was not a question. It sounded like a question, but the fact is the growth is coming irrespective of whether we wanted it to. So our only, the only thing we could do in the face of that was to plan, and that's what we did. So I think the biggest lesson is that you do not know what you do not know, and when you get there and you find out just what it's about and, and what issues you're facing, it's a real eye-opening experience. And you either have to decide to buckle down and, 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 and make the necessary uh, decisions, or you can just be lackluster about it and, and, and really defer uh, all of this off to somebody else. Uh, I, I chose to hit it head on. During your uh, 2019 campaign, you did say the only way for, for meeting the infrastructure needs is growth. And it is. And it's still, still the same. It is because the, the, the <clears throat> growth brings about a, a lot of challenges. There's no question about it. And it, and it, it interrupts people's day-to-day -day life. But ultimately, that growth provides revenue for the city to be able to operate without placing an undue burden on the taxpayer and really on the consumer in terms of the enterprise funds, which are the water and the sewer and the, the trash. So you're not just talking about adding infrastructure. You're talking about replacing. You know, Absolutely. Upgrading, replacing. Uh, it's not just adding. In fact, the vast majority of what we do is upgrading uh, deferred maintenance, long deferred maintenance. I mean, there is a water project that has been talked about for years and years and years on North mm -hmm. Avenue. But the roads on North Avenue are crumbling, uh, and we have prioritized that. But the issues we're facing over there are engineering issues with regard to how narrow that road is, how much root systems. Uh, you got trees over there five foot wide that are busting up the, the infrastructure. So this project is not just simply about showing up out there and digging a hole and, and putting in a new line. It's not that simple. The engineering is almost done over there, uh, but that is deferred uh, upgrades and maintenance for all these years, and those folks there disproportionately are affected by that as opposed to other areas of the city. Yeah, time right now is 8.37. My guest this morning is uh, Mayor Gil McDougal, city of Villarica, one of four candidates uh, running uh, for uh, for uh, that seat for the next four years. Early voting starts Monday. Um, it's a three-week period. However, if you're in Villarica and you don't feel like coming down to uh, Carroll County for that, 
I think it's that last week, the last of the third weeks, it's Powell Park, right? It is. And then Election Day is November 7th. Um, some people prefer to do that. To I'll clarify that the Powell Park early voting, the only early voting that will be in the city of Villarica is only for the Carroll County residents. Uh, oh, okay, nothing yet. The Douglas County residents will still have to early vote at the courthouse uh, in Douglas County. That is, uh, that's been a challenge for years and years. If there was something we could do about it, we would. But under the election uh, laws, we have to have a facility, a dedicated facility in Douglas County that can be locked up and, and used only for the elections workers, and the city does not have one. This morning, uh, knowing that you were coming in, I just went through my old folder with a lot of your sound bites and things like that. Mm-hmm. So but going back to 2019 during your initial campaign, I'll just you know, see if you still feel this way. Sure. Um, you said we don't have much space in Villarica for residential development. Uh, example, starter homes. Um, you did push a need for higher valued homes in order to offset the cost of everybody else. Um, I'm going to continue to push for that growth. Now, is that still your perspective? Well, I think that that can be read a couple of different ways. Here's what I was talking about. The growth that we, that, that I would be okay with bringing in was going to have to be higher end growth because I wanted the new residents of Villarica, the new developments to come in to disproportionately pay a much higher share of the cost of, of the infrastructure uh, because I still needed to make up for years and years of deferred and neglected maintenance. So I needed that extra revenue to help cure the problems that we'd already had, the developers themselves pay for the new development. So when a new subdivision comes in, the developer builds the whole thing out. The city doesn't pick up cost on any of that. And after they're done with it, they dedicate the roads and the infrastructure back to the city Then we use as assets in order to, to have a better bond rating, which allows us to be able to borrow money when we need And I to. think this was before the tax allocation district discussion, right? And you, or you may have had it, you know, it may have been a discussion before it became public. Yeah, the tax allocation district idea really came around in, in 2017 and 18 when Jeff Reese was the mayor. I mean, he deserves uh, all the credit on, on, on bringing that to us. I, I had no idea uh, what a tax allocation district was or what it could yeah. do, and he was really instrumental in saying, this is really the route we need to go because what he was saying and what is true today is that the tax allocation district requires that the development pay for itself. And what is happening is none of the rest of the city of Villarica is burdened with the cost of what goes on in the tax allocation district. The costs are actually paid incrementally as the development builds out. It was absolutely a, you know, from our perspective, it was a no-brainer. To, to to go for a tax allocation di- uh, district. But it's a good idea if the economy holds up. Well, everything's a good idea if the economy holds up. I mean, it, it, but, then, but you're on, you're on well, the line. You're but, on. Yeah, but, let, but let's be real about that. I mean, here, the reality is that when Mirror Lake came along in 1998, there was an influx of revenue flowed through the city. And what happened with all that money is that they used it to lower taxes and to lower the cost of enterprise funds pretending, maybe is not the right word, but being uh, overly optimistic that that would continue forever. And then in 2008, when it stopped, the city was left with no revenue because it had passed all of it back out. They had money in the bank, but the cost of the deferred maintenance was many multiples of what was actually in the bank. Mm -hmm. So look, we're all dependent on the economy, but what we're doing today is planning. If we were to hit something like that today, we would be well prepared for it. 
Time right now is 841. Our guest this morning is Villarica Mayor Gil McDougall. We are on the News Talk 1330 WLVB Facebook page. If you'd like to post a comment or question there, please do. I'll try and take a look at those during the break. I mean, again, otherwise, as I always say, you're stuck with uh, whatever questions um, I like to dig out. And, and, you know, when you think about your campaign flyers and things like that, I mean, I do try to avoid those questions. I mean, because I think you can get those any place. We've only got a half hour to discuss stuff. So, uh, again, uh, if you have a good question, please post it to the uh, Facebook page. Again, time right now, 842. Community Voice brought to you by Tanner Health System and Oak Mountain Academy. Oak Mountain Academy is an innovative school of academic excellence celebrating a 61-year legacy. I'm Patrick Uran, head of school, inviting you to join us for our annual fall festival. On Friday, October 27th at 3.30 p.m., join us at the OMA gym for food, fun, and fellowship. Costume, games, raffles, and competitions are just a few of our fall festival exciting activities. For more information, visit us at oakmountain.us. Discover your journey at OMA. Prepare, explore, and achieve. Health is a journey. It's making better choices, even when it's not easy. It's taking care of yourself and the people you love. At Tanner Health System, we're there for you with every step, with primary care, heart care, cancer care, women's care, orthopedics, surgical services, and so much more. We're dedicated to helping you live and feel your best. So let's get on that journey to health. You've got places to be for many years to come. Find us at Tanner.org. Eight forty-three. Welcome back to the WLBB Community Voice News Talk thirteen thirty FM one hundred six point three. My name is Colin Worthington. My guest this morning is Villarica Mayor Gil McDougal. He wants to sit in that seat for four more years. Uh, we've got uh, early voting, which begins on Monday, November the seventh, is uh, actual election day. Um, this past Wednesday, you were part of um, a forum with all four candidates hosted by the uh, Carroll County Democrats, and I believe the NAACP, Carroll County NAACP, had part of that. And I believe that you uh, moderated that. I did moderate Thank that. Thank you for doing that. Well, I appreciate you saying so. Thank you. And uh, it, it, despite being terribly tired. but um, I get that. But, yeah, it was, it was good fun. I mean, it's always good to, you know, get – because the questions were put forth by the uh, constituents. So it's always good to hear what everybody else is thinking when they have that opportunity to share it. Um, there was a, uh, maybe the second or third question going through – uh, there was a, a let's say a minor debate between you and two other candidates, and, and it resulted. It, the, the last comment made was um, suggested that you had received thirty five hundred dollars or maybe three thousand dollars in uh, contributions for your campaign from the developer of Fuquay or Fuqua, Fuquay, the, um, the the tax the guy who's in charge of the tax allocation the project the big project in tax allocation district. Sure. So there was there was no other suggestion after that. But however, you pointed out that you had received that much money from him, and uh, you didn't deny that. No, I didn't deny it. I, I in fact, I thanked him for it. This this is a uh, a serious developer who develops uh, projects all through the southeast. Uh, they're all a hundred million dollars plus. He came to Villarica to invest in Villarica. He is spending hundreds of millions of dollars in Villarica. He has an absolute interest in, the, in, in how Villarica is perceived and in his businesses being able to be successful. And ultimately, what he does there is a spark for what can happen in Villarica, bringing really nice restaurants, uh, nice places to shop, and uh, improving on our infrastructure there in Villarica. So, no, I didn't deny it. They, uh, they, they offered us a contribution, and we accepted it. And uh, When did he offer that to you? 
I actually don't remember. He, w- he was the last one that showed up on your uh, forms, your campaign contribution forms, and I think that was... Yeah, we didn't get anything early from him. Okay. Um, the, and, 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 and as you know, those particular uh, disclosures are required within two days of receiving was, yeah. the funds. I think they're actually called two-day, right? They, two, they two are called two-day reports. reports. Uh, but but I, it's interesting to me that anybody would raise that. Uh, certainly, they're only doing it for some sort of a political... Uh, you know, jab, but the reality is that's part of free speech. That's what people ought to be doing. If you want to be a part of uh, influence in the kind of uh, city that you will have, you will support these campaigns. And my understanding is everyone except Davis has received campaign contributions. I mean, I'd love for somebody to say that they didn't mm-hmm. uh, because I know people who've given to them. So everybody's receiving these except, my, to my understanding, Davis. Right. Well, you, uh, your collections, I want to say it's estimated about 10 times more well, than I, what they got. And, it's, and, and you, you can comment on that. Um, and the majority of them, now I know you're a real estate broker, the majority of them do have to do with real estate and housing, those donations. Can you ethically or do you feel comfortable, like, you know, you only vote to break a tie. But say there's an issue that's two to two one day, and it has to do with maybe Fuquay wanting to add something on if he wants to add Jewish space lasers or something like that to his uh, to his property, and it's a two to two tie. Can you vote to break that tie, knowing that he had contributed three thousand dollars to you for your campaign? That's an interesting question. Uh, we didn't receive any campaign contributions from anybody who had anything pending uh, before the council that I would have uh, any type of a uh, a role in in terms of uh, breaking a tie. Um, look, I'm the incumbent. It makes sense that, the, that folks who are comfortable with the direction of the city uh, would, uh, would want to contribute. Um, and a lot of the, these are not just uh, residential developers. These are commercial developers. These are people who are interested in what we have to offer in the city of Villarica. And frankly, what I'm interested in is how much they contribute to the city of Villarica in terms of value and in terms of quality of life. Uh, for our residents and our citizens. So, well, I mean, last last month or two months ago, Fuquay wanted to, um, or was a proposal to have a larger sign put up or be allowed or something like that. I, I mean, I think it was initially it was, it was turned down by council. But I mean, say he brings something in January that he wants to change, and again, it's tied two to two. I mean, can can you vote on that? Do you feel comfortable voting on that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really see an issue. Here, here's the thing. The mayor only votes in the case of a tie, which means it was already split. The question was already split. But at the same time, the, these contributions go into a campaign fund that can only be spent uh, in furtherance of the campaign. They can't be spent any other way. That's why they're disclosed, mm-hmm. so that everyone knows exactly what you got. And then when, we're, when we report out, we'll show exactly how we spent the money. And everybody can see those. I mean, they're online, right? That's right. Georgia, it's, it's Georgia Government Transparency and Campaign Finance Commission. I don't know the the, uh, the link, but, yeah, it's online. It's all Georgia. Right, and you have more there than just mine. <clears throat> no, I do have it. I mean, the, the only other one I saw, I mean, you mentioned um, that um, you thought Mac might have one. I did have one well, I, didn't, I, I don't say that he has a two-day report. Okay. These two-day reports are unique in the fact that if they're $1,000 or more, they have to be reported within two days. Okay. So if he didn't get any of that, I don't know if he did. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the I, one that, the, you I, I, know, Leslie McPherson is the only other one that I saw that was filed, and she received $1,500 um, from Met Lane uh, here in here in Carrollton. That's right. Uh, but again, I mean, c- comparing your collection, you know, what you raised, I mean, in light, you can take that perspective. They're like, well, hell, people got uh, faith in me and want to see me continue. Well, it's free speech, too. Yeah. You know, that makes sense to me. I, I, I just, 
you know, I, I just I just wonder how people perceive that. I mean, when this is, you know, it was kind of a controversial project, the tax allocation district, right? I mean, it, it, plus it went on for two years, you know, and it was always being talked about. It didn't so. seem to me to be controversial in Villarica at all. Okay. At every step of the way, the council <clears throat> voted unanimously for every step of it. And while there may have been some questions about some of the, uh, or, or concerns about some of the multifamily piece that was there, mm -hmm. uh, I yeah, don't believe right, the definitely. project itself ever was controversial. Now, bringing on uh, the, the other authorities, uh, I wouldn't say it was controversial, but it was a heavy lift. Uh, we had to be able to work with and, and show the benefits to the county and to the uh, school system for them in order to get them on board, but I would not say controversial. Time right now is 8.50. We're going to come back with about eight minutes on uh, this morning's Community Voice program with our guest, Villarica Mayor Gil McDougall. If you have any questions or comments, please uh, post those uh, during the break. It, it, frequently, we see questions are posted at 8.58, and um, I typically don't get those. So uh, if you got a question, go ahead and post it right now. Otherwise, as I say, you're stuck with my questions. Community Voice brought to you by Tanner Health System and Oak Mountain Academy. The World Language Scholar Journey at Oak Mountain Academy is designed to provide students with a clearly defined curriculum-based track to acquire essential knowledge and skills for success in biliteracy fields of study. The successful completion of this journey provides colleges with a method to recognize a rigorous foreign language immersion experience for all students at Oak Mountain Academy. I'm Patrick Uran, head of school, inviting you to journey with us on the mountain. For more information, visit us at oakmountain.us. Discover your journey at OMA. Prepare, explore, and achieve. Health is a journey. It's making better choices, even when it's not easy. It's taking care of yourself and the people you love. At Tanner Health System, we're there for you with every step, with primary care, heart care, cancer care, women's care, orthopedics, surgical services, and so much more. We're dedicated to helping you live and feel your best. So let's get on that journey to health. You've got places to be for many years to come. Find us at Tanner.org. Eight fifty one. Welcome back to the Community Voice Program. News Talk thirteen thirty FM one hundred six point three. Colin Worthington, Gil McDougal, my guest, uh, Mayor of the City of Villa Rica, and uh, seeking four more years. Uh, birthday boy as well. <laughs> That's right. Turns twenty nine tomorrow. Is that twenty nine? Sounds right. Yesterday's program, um, we had uh, Leslie McPherson. She too was a candidate, former City Councilwoman. So she had worked with you previously. She she suggested that you have skipped over council a lot um, in dealings involving city monies and made choices on your own without really confirming conferring with them um, is that I mean it, it seems like that you know that's council's decision that you know the way the money goes where the money goes um, but, but well, there was a suggestion that you kind of just over um, skipped over them and maybe told them what I'm doing yeah I've been listening to those sound clips uh, all the way in this morning I got uh, up and got ready to come down here and I heard it three times just on the way down here and it, it, it really goes to the heart of, of uh, who she is. I have, if I had not worked with her these many years, uh, I would be surprised by that. But I have worked with her. And let's keep in mind, she's been on the council for nine and a half years, longer than the time that I was on council and the time I've been mayor combined. Leslie makes these charges, and it's really, it, it really is outrageous. I mean, the fact of the matter is, that we go to the, to the council for almost everything, even when we don't necessarily have to. Once money is appropriated in the budget, uh, we could just go and spend that money uh, based on how it's appropriated by the council. We have never lost uh, um, 
the perspective that the council is absolutely the, the final say on everything in the city. But that is the council. That is not a council member. And what she is fundamentally missing here, which really goes to, to the heart of whether she could even be the mayor, she doesn't even understand the structure of the mayor. When she talks about those, those COVID incentives, that decision wasn't made by the mayor. That decision was made by the city manager in conjunction with the deputy city manager and the city attorney. And my role in it was to contact the council members once I was okay with what they had proposed to me and find out where they stood on this. The city attorney had already advised the city manager that he himself could make that decision. That money was COVID relief funds received after the budget and he had the authority to spend it. He was making that decision. But out of respect for the elected body, he said to me, once we have you on board with this, if you get on board with it, will you go to the city council and work with these guys and see where they are? How do they feel? So look, I called every one of them up, had a conversation with them about it. Didn't get me first until I was out of town. She kept me on the phone for 50 minutes telling me all the conspiratorial theories about the vaccine and about how they, they, they were putting things in it that were harmful to people and all this. Look, it was clear to me she was a no, but it was also clear to me that four council members were a yes. I went back to the city manager and city attorney and said, look, this is where we're at. They made the decision and implemented that. We then came back at the next council meeting and asked that it be ratified by the council so that it would be public what that process was. And let's keep in mind why we did that. During that time, we were very conscious of the budget and we had this four and a half million dollars or so in, um, in COVID relief funds that needed to be spent to mitigate the cost of COVID. Officers were getting sick, they had family members that were sick, they were out of work, same thing in the water department, same thing in the sewer department. And we also knew that we might not be able to do an end of year bonus. Now, she's opposed those every year for our employees, but this was another way to be able to put some relief into their pockets at a time when it was really, really difficult for them and their families. So this didn't all happen in a vacuum. This is a process that occurs where people get together and they talk through you know, the challenges that we're dealing with and how to best resolve those. And a fundamental role of the mayor, and, and look, the charter is really clear. It's one paragraph uh, for the mayor. The mayor shall be the chief executive of the city, he shall be the chief advocate of policy, and he, sh he shall preside at all meetings of the mayor and council, okay? A big role of the mayor is to build consensus, to be able to work with every member of that governing body with respect and to be able to get them on the same page. That may not always be the page the mayor is on, but once a decision is made, once a consensus is built, that's where we are. So if you can't do that, and you've watched her for nine and a half years, I haven't seen her build consensus on one thing. So. To, to come, I, nobody really wanted to get into this conversation, frankly. But to go on the radio, to take this this door-to-door -door clown show to the radio, was another step, and it is necessary for me to to respond to that. And happy to let you. We're going to have about two minutes here. I, 
A couple questions I did want to touch on, but let me, let me at least try and get this one in. Um, part of the tax allocation district project is that, um, I mean, it's the one you guys have been hyping up more than anything is the, the, the cut through, the connector from Mirror Lake down into, uh, into downtown. Sure. Um, some residents of Darden Street expressed their concerns with that because, you know, most of those homes, if not uh, all of them, could be affected with that uh, cut through. Uh, are you in favor of eminent domain if it's necessary or have changes come since that conversation to where you know that possibly could change well one of the the um, fu most fundamental rights to me is the right of property owners so when you reach the point of eminent domain that you, you have exhausted everything that you could possibly do I don't see that uh, in this particular project now when this was talked about probably in 2009 when this path was first talked about it was just a, a golf cart path but in some variation that road ha has been a conversation really for the last what 15 years you know 14 15 years so what I said to those folks and what I say today uh, is that I will do everything I can to make sure that that road impacts the fewest number of parcels possible the engineers went back and they have identified a route that will impact just a couple of parcels, but it will not impact not one of the parcels of the folks who came to speak at city council meeting. I heard them and we went back and said, how can we do this without going into these folks, really their heritage, their homes, and, and we will not be going down that road. you got 10 seconds. Do you have a Facebook page or do you have an event that you'll be yeah, speaking Yeah, yieldmcdougal.com. And uh, the, the, the Facebook page, we reactivated that. I'm not a Facebook uh, person. So, um, you know, but you can, you can find me on Facebook. Right, good deal. Gil McDougal, thanks for coming out. All right, thank you. Good to see you again. Good luck with the election. Everybody, it is Friday. Got two days off coming up. No baseball to worry about for anybody. Uh, stay tuned for national headlines coming up at the top of the hour. And uh, Glenn Beck uh, during the 9 o'clock hour. Have a great weekend.